2: This
0: glorious mess. Hello and welcome to This Glorious Mess. It's the podcast for all the mums already dropping hints for what they really want this Mother's Day. Oh, Mother's Day soon, Andrew. And it definitely doesn't come from the school stall. Well, you know, a bit of school stall and maybe something a bit special. I'm Holly Wainwright. That's just that's just a hint for anyone out there who might be thinking of getting me a mothering present. Um, I'm Holly Wainwright. I've got two kids. I've got Matilda who's seven and Billy who's four.
2: And I'm Andrew Daddo with a thirteen year old daughter, a sixteen year old daughter with boyfriend. Ooh I know. Wow, boyfriend. I know. I know. Such another one. An eighteen year old son with a license. So yeah, <laughs> interesting. Yes. Good times, good times.
0: Coming up today, do you love your kids more than your partner? Now this is a conversation. Oh, i sorry, right.
2: I was going to answer.
0: Lucky. <laughs> Don't answer that question. <laughs> just, just hold your horses. We'll talk about that in a moment. Let's put my you know mum's voice on. Right. Just talking. hold on, Andrew. Hold on. Thanks, Super Nanny. <laughs> Plus a little girl who's campaigning for Kmart to put dinosaurs on girls' clothes and between the pressure to send nude photos to the inspiration pics that played social media, how are girls coping in a culture that doesn't seem to like them very much? We ask best-selling author and mum, Danielle Miller. But first, we have a bit of correspondence. You know, we love correspondence here. Um, somebody called Karen is sent us a lovely email saying that she's a big fan of the podcast. Thank you, Karen. We love that you're listening to us. She says she always listens on her way home from work on a Friday and that she has a failed for us.
2: Yeah, you want me to because you've got... Yes, please. How is your... I've got a cold. I know. You're battling on. I'm struggling, but I've got a bit of a cold. Sh- should we do something about people coming to work <laughs> when they're ill? Should we do that? No. I'm not
0: ill. I've just got a cold. You know that I know, thing? I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway.
2: Karen says... She says, I'm a fan of the podcast and I have a fail for you. Last night, I was preparing dinner for my four-year-old and 14-month-old while my poor husband poor husband, poor husband was shut up in bed, puking his guts out sick because he's ill, not hungover. <laughs> I'm just extrapolating. So while holding my 14-month-old on my hip and cooking dinner on the stove, my four-year-old was yelling at me, I'm hungry. The 14-month-old spotted some chicken on the counter and decided to propel himself from my hip to reach it. This, however, ended up making him slip from my grasp and nosedive onto our tile floor. Ouch. Ow. Yes, I'm the mother who dropped their baby on their head. Don't tell anyone, Karen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for telling us.
2: So after dragging my husband out of the bed to look after our four-year-old, I went off to emergency to check him out and get him checked out. In the end, he was fine, a bit bruised, a bit sorry for himself. The smirk... (laughs) I like from the attending doctor as he was discharging us both brought me to tears. Luckily a nurse who was assisting us jumped in and tried to make me feel better by telling me it happens often. Not sure this is a good club I wanted to be in but at least I'm not the only one. Keep up the good work. Oh
0: Karen you're you're so not the only one and I'm sure the doctor didn't mean
2: to smirk.
0: He's like as if anyone hasn't dropped their kid every now and again.
2: Yeah I was throwing Felix in the air as a two year old or one year old up you know doing that dad thing up up like this until he smacked his head on the wall. So I've caught him, I've looked at Jackie sitting next to me, I've looked at him, looked at his head, and I've gone, well, we might go and get some stitches. Yes. Right? And she's just looked at me, and I went, back in a second, she thought I was joking, came back, two stitches in the top, <laughs> top of his head. Oh my God. Right? And she's going, oh my, she's like that, oh my, and I went, you were there, it was an accident, it, uh, <laughs> Karen,
0: are you feeling better now? Are you feeling better now? Good on you, Karen. Any
2: stitches? Didn't drop him hard enough, did you? (laughs) Oh.
0: If you've got a story you want to share, any feedback or an idea for something we should be talking about on the show, email us, tgm at mamamia.com.au or call our pod phone 028999386. Now, this week... Anyone who's ever shopped for little girl clothes knows that it's a big sickly sea of pink out there and on a recent trip to a big department store one young girl named luna spotted a pair of cool dinosaur undies that tickled her fancy but there was one problem they were only in the boys section the child was utterly perplexed as to why there weren't any dinosaur undies for girls so her grandmother Kate has posted a video to the Kmart Mom's Facebook page with Luna's plea to please Mr. Shopman start stocking dinosaur pants for girls too. Why girls can't have them? Why can't girls have what, darling? Dinosaur pants. That's right. Why can't girls have dinosaur pants? I think That's what you want, pants. isn't it? Yeah, but I think some girls
1: don't like them and some do and because some girls do do you think they should be able to have them yeah
0: she's decked out in a batman shirt and luna shows that girls don't all want to wear all want to dress in frilly frocks so love it love it absolutely it's so funny because it is true is that there's nothing more gendered than the clothing sections in kids' shops. It's like over here we've got boys' things and it's all trucks and dinosaurs and monsters. And over here it's girl stuff and it all says things like, I'm as cute as my mummy and you know, like I'm a Daddy's princess. The, yeah,
2: Daddy's little nightmare.
0: Exactly. It's stuff like that where you go, Why? <laughs> I know. It's like and it's So a... I really like Luna because what Luna's Luna's a rebel here. She's just going, I'm not buying into
2: Well, all she's that. empowered. Yeah. Right, which is, but like, would you buy boys' undies with dinosaurs on them for your daughter and not say they I mean... would yeah. You, yeah,
0: because really this is the thing, is it's only boys' clothes because it says it's boys' clothes. Like, yeah. clothes are clothes are clothes, right? It's amazing how we have this division because sometimes I really like men's jeans, but I'm really embarrassed to go into, to buy men's jeans. It's like there's this whole thing about boyfriend jeans and they're just... Boy cut jeans, but they call them boyfriend jeans and sell them for more money to women. Like, that's just the way it is. Oh,
2: is that a th- I don't you know, know. That's that. the
0: thing. So, it's like really, they should have just bought the undies for Luna. Yeah. And But it's good but it's to good put point. this pressure on yeah. the on the shops to say, hey, you know, just, just have clothes. Like, kids don't need. You know, they don't... Well,
2: yeah, and it's sort of, um, it's the thin edge of the wedge. Like you're looking at sort of, uh, say, AFL football now, and rugby sevens, and things like that. Where, so, the Australian women's team won an Olympic gold medal playing rugby, right? They had that huge success of AFL at the start yeah. of the season, but only AFL at the start women. of the season Because once the men start, the women have to stop, oh. right? It's like the entree to that, which is interesting, but it was really successful. It was really so successful. So there's no reason it won't be more successful again yeah. the next time around and maybe a little bit longer because it should be longer because it's yeah. great to watch.
0: And I just think we need to give girls more options. It's yeah. like I was, I've was. i talked to you about this before, but I'm really trying to get Matilda into surfing and when you Google videos of girls surfing, it's all this really sexy stuff, like girls in bikinis looking really hot. And I'm like, I don't. I mean, that's fine, but I just want to see chicks doing stuff. Yeah. And Matilda just needs to see chicks doing stuff. Anyway, I'm getting. I'm digressing here. <laughs> but what it really, what it's really about, is I think it's great that Luna's asking um, the shop, Mr. Shopman. Mr. Shopman. To open their minds a little bit about what girls and boys like, because you know, yeah. some little boys like pink, and some little girls like dinosaurs, and we shouldn't be putting them in such separate boxes, right?
2: Yeah. Maybe the department store should be even bigger. So <laughs> yeah, so they could have a. And i I'm, I'm not saying... <laughs> I can imagine it from the shop man's point of view. He goes, oh, okay, fine, 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 fine. We'll have a boy's section, we'll have a girl's section, and we'll have a precocious child section. <laughs> what about that? Would that make you happy?
0: Oh, dear. It's perfect. Dad, you're not cool. Okay, now this is a real thing that's been happening in my life lately, Andrew. There A lot of men on my Facebook feed have been sharing a photograph. We'll put it up on our Facebook page. But it's from... Some random paper, and it's like the Naples Daily News or something. And it's an article by a psychologist, family psychologist called John Rosemond, called, Your Kids Should Not Be the Most Important in the Family. Now, I'm not saying that Mr. John Rosemond is the only person who's ever had this thought, but for whatever reason, this article is being shared all over my Facebook feed, and the thing that really struck me about it is it's only being shared by men. So let me read you some of the things that John says. It's really interesting. He says, I recently asked a married couple who have three kids who who aren't yet teenagers, they're all little, who are the most important people in your family? And they all say our kids. And when he asked them why, they don't really know. But his point is that, he says, I went on to point out that many, if not most of the problems that they're having with their kids, typical stuff these days, are the results of treating their children as if they, their marriage and their family exist because of the kids, when in fact, it's the other way around. Their kids exist because of them and their marriage. If without them, their kids wouldn't eat well, they wouldn't have nice clothes, they wouldn't live in a nice home, they wouldn't go on holiday, and all these things. The issue at the heart of this is that it needs to be clear to parents, to kids, that parents are the most important people in the families. Is this confusing? Am I making sense? No, 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 you are, you are. So he says,
2: yeah, he, 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 yeah, go he on. goes on at the end and says, so the, the, the guts of it is. He says, the most important person in an army is the general. Yeah. The most important person in a corporation is the CEO. The most important person in a classroom is the teacher. And the most important person in a family are the parents. Yes. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that because <laughs> the most important person in an army, if, if you have to single it out, may well be the general, but the most important, the thing that makes an army an army are the soldiers. The thing that makes a, a company a great company are the workers, right? So... So I would take the opposite approach, and you can't say, "Listen to me, oh bloody, I'm getting worked up on." No, That's good. You can't say you can't say you, you should love your wife or your husband more than your children, because the two of you together chose to create, generally chose to create that family yeah. and but care for that family. So you should look after them and look after each other at the same time.
0: So the point, though, that I think he's trying to make and it's one that i've heard lots of people make is that we've become a society that's very kid focused it's all about what the kids want and we build everything around what the kids want and what the parents are always doing what the kids want we're always driving them places taking them places organizing our work around them and he's saying that really we need to be putting ourselves at the top of the chain and looking at it's the idea of putting your gas mask on first you know on a plane
2: you know how they're yeah, no, looking at me like. What? No, no, I knew what you were saying. So you
0: know, and they always say, "Put your mask on before your oxygen mask on first, yeah. and then give it to the kid." Yeah, king.
2: yeah. Yeah. I understand that.
0: And so. Oh, okay, he, so, so I'm going to
2: play golf every Saturday.
0: So he's saying, "Well, yeah, don't you do that already?"
2: No. So, <laughs> so he's,
0: but so what he's arguing is that couples need to put each other first ahead of the children, right? Yes. Yes. But you're saying no.
2: No, no, I'm not saying that. No, I'm saying that. that, that Couples have got to put themselves in the frame, but we chose to have kids. So we've got it. If we want to have a functional family, you've got to look after the kids and teach them how to be human beings, and that includes having them front of mind all of the time.
0: Yes, but don't all of you the think? Ta- do you think the reason that lots of men are sharing this article to yeah, my Facebook yeah, feed is because they are feeling at the bottom of the food chain?
2: Yeah, yeah. They, they are
0: feeling like the food chain goes kids. Yeah. You know, one, two, three. Yeah, me doing the
2: putting because I get to work and I work really hard and I and make money and all I do. I don't get to do anything I want. I'm chasing kids going to sports and I don't get to play golf. I'm not on the piss on Friday nights with me. you know like yeah. they don't get to do the things that they want. But it's a sacrifice. I mean, I don't get to do the half the things I want, and there's times I'll be really pissed off about it. But then at the same time, I do get to do other things that I really want to do. And other people might not get to do what they want to do.
0: I don't think that is what they're saying. I don't. Well, maybe it's what they're saying. I don't get to go on the piss on Friday night. But I think that's what they're saying. <laughs> that's and what he's really saying is the couple should put themselves first. I, like, they should put their relationship first.
2: Yes, that's,
0: that's what I think he's saying, is that the couple should put their relationship first and that they should be the most important people in the family. The fact that they're happy with each other should be more important than whether or not the kids are getting every single thing that they want. It's a very you say it like that, difficult thing to pull off, yeah, but I think that if, it's actually good advice. Yeah,
2: yeah. It, it, when you say it like that, the kid's getting every single thing they want. No kid should get every single thing they want. Hmm. They get what they need.
0: But and often families bust in, that the parents are busting their asses to give the kids all the little things that they want, yeah,
2: right? Yeah, because I didn't get it when I was a kid. I was terribly unhappy. Yeah. So, no, I get it. I understand, I understand it. But I think, you know, you've got to, if we have kids, we've got to... We raise our kids, not giving them every single thing. No one gives their kids every single. Well, some people probably do.
0: And I'm not necessarily saying that I agree with this. I think it's. I think the idea of putting your partner first and your relationship at the heart of the family is a good one.
2: Yes, I agree.
0: Because I think that in theory, that your family should feel safe if they know that, you know, that mum and dad, or mum and mum, or dad and dad, whatever, are happy. Oh. Right. You're laughing at me, but it's
2: true. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm laughing that you have to get every group in I there. know,
0: but it's true.
2: Yeah.
0: It's not all mums and dads. Um, that they're happy and feeling safe will make everybody feel secure. But the truth of it is, too, is that we have moved on from that idea of, like, the kids just do what they're told. Why aren't you like all the other mums? <laughs> it's not easy being a girl in 2017 between rising pressures at school and the dangers of social media the problems girls face are increasingly adult and according to danielle miller we aren't equipping them with the skills they need to face these issues the author and ceo of enlightened education says we need to let girls know that they're somebodies and not just bodies danielle joins us now to share about how we can help our daughters navigate the teenage years a challenging time hello danielle hello now being a teenage girl has always been a challenging time right yes what is so different about this age or rather what are the very new challenges that we're facing
1: Yeah, and it isn't just our teenagers that are facing new challenges. I think it's a a different world for all of us because we're now being asked to navigate technology in ways that are really quite new. When we grew up as teenagers, we didn't have constant texting. We didn't have social media. Pornography was something that we maybe found in a back shed or under Dad's bed and had a bit of a peek at. Um, Now everything is very 24-7. It's very in our faces. And during this time of experimentation any mistake we make can often be recorded and come back to haunt us forever so it can feel very intimidating
2: but, but we're but we're all in fear right i'll yeah. I'll speak for well,
0: well, I'm in fear because my kids aren't <laughs> at this point yet.
2: Yeah.
0: And, no, I no, just, no. and I feel like all the messaging I get around teenagers at the moment, not just teenage girls, teenage boys, is really negative. It's like, oh, my God, yeah. you have no idea. It's so scary out there. The things they can do can damage them forever. The drugs are worse than they used to be. The sexting is awful. Like everyone, rah, rah, rah. And I'm like, oh, my God, I just want to go and live in a cave. Danielle, Andrew, tell me some yeah, nice no, no, things.
2: But, the, but what I was going to say is the, the fear that we have, and Holly and I have talked about this before, is that if I so say story sharing and humour? A lot of people there is no sense of humour about most things, right? There is no sense of humour humour about sexting or slut shaming, or drug taking or food um, food issues. And then if I share my stories, no why am I going to share my stories? No, of course. No, but this is what well, okay, we, this is what let we have,
1: you 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 put put a few really interesting to... ideas to me there so let me just try and yeah. tackle them one at a time yeah. the first one I think um, that Holly raised is so important and that is the idea that at the moment the rhetoric around having teenagers particularly daughters is so negative and that's really destructive because we're almost setting up this self-fulfilling prophecy that having a teenage girl is going to be difficult it's going to be awful it's going to be a time when she's going to pull away from you um, and that she can damage herself you know, irreversibly because we do tend to worry a lot more about girls reputations than we do about boys and that's again another conversation but the truth of it is that, that that is only as you know there are real um, concerns there are real worries but the reality is far more different than that and far more beautiful and shiny I mean yes. I have a teenage daughter I work with 20,000 teen girls a year I find them um, remarkably funny vibrant loyal passionate and the research shows that that's true yeah. so teenagers generally are volunteering at greater numbers than ever before and, and volunteering far more for the community than we as adults do this generation of Teenagers are take drinking, binge drinking far less than any other generation. Absolutely. They're having less unprotected sex than any other generation. They're doing much better academically. They're staying on at school longer. But we never hear any of this. Yeah. Danielle, I want hear to kiss you. The you. Yeah. I
0: want to kiss you, Danielle.
1: <laughs> well, it's true, and I tell you, what, my my daughter is my favorite human. I mean, she's just this most remarkable young woman, and she's not alone. So when we have these conversations, we must mustn't forget to remind ourselves that girls are doing remarkable things as are young men yeah. um, and that all of us had moments where we weren't perhaps so so shiny and lovable during those adolescent years. but we emerged quite whole as humans at the end yeah. um, and that it is meant to be a tumultuous time. The teenage years are meant to be a time when young people are moving from childhood to adulthood and part of that means that they push away from us a little bit and can be a little difficult to love sometimes. <laughs> but ultimately they do emerge and reconnect if we continue to sort of have that that sense of humor about ourselves and and to keep those lines of communication open to your point andrew about you know being hard to share stories and and find humor i don't agree i think there's so much humor around sexuality and and sexting and whether we see ourselves as desirable and sometimes sharing our struggles can be really powerful we as parents don't have to pretend that we're perfect we can be really honest that yeah this is something i don't really understand or this is something that really worries me how do you feel about this and engage in dialogue that way
2: yeah no i i actually i, I don't personally i don't find uh any trouble with doing that because because i like to make jokes about nearly everything at,
1: yeah the know, good old dad joke
2: yeah but so but also i'm 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 up for sharing all pr- pretty everything with my kids because that, but that's how I am. But I know lots of people will. They just go. I will never tell them half of what I did.
1: Well, you you know, know, you have to be selective. Yeah, you don't of course. Can I just say? Can I just go scar them for life? But but I think being honest about our own struggles is really great because you know what's really interesting? We talk about all of these issues like using technology, sexting, um, binge drinking, as if they are issues only young people are struggling with. Mm. My goodness, we as adults are struggling with them as well. I mean, when it comes to things like bullying online, hello, look on Twitter. Adults are doing it constantly towards each other. Teenagers aren't the only ones sexting. We always seem to assume that they are. Adults are sexting all the time as well. That's so um, true. But, but, and so we can talk about how we as adults struggle with this. We can have a dialogue that doesn't sort of come at them from this perspective of us being up on this high pedestal completely in control of our perfect lives and then being in a state of mess and flux.
2: But we don't want our teenage girls sexting. I don't I don't want I don't want my teen I genuinely do not want my teenage girls sending naked photos of themselves because I can see, as an adult, the damage that will do. Now, if my 25-year-old daughter wants to go and do that, then good luck to her.
0: But isn't that... I mean, Danielle, you tell us, because you um, talk to 20,000 teenage girls a uh, um, a year, but aren't, isn't that just what they're doing now? <laughs> I know I sound like well, an old person. okay. I don't yeah, think Andrew again, stands a chance with that, does he? This is the
1: right, Andrew? I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, I have a teenage daughter. I don't want to sit no. either. But the reality is that young people when they're over the age of consent will say that they now see this as a normal part of sexual relationships. We well, might not like that, but yeah. that is absolutely what but they
2: that, say. But o- over the age of 16. consent. So that's Pardon? over yeah, the, well, but the that's age the of
1: consent for sexing is actually 18 not 16. Yeah. That's a really interesting and important distinction because it's young pornography, people child pornography yeah, that's right. And so this is where there's this difference where the law hasn't really kept up to date with technology and changes in technology. Um, and, and so it's a really complicated sort of complex mix because young people, whether we like it or not, are saying they see this behaviour as quite normal. So I guess the key too is allowing these open conversations. Yeah. If we shame young people and tell them that, you know, if you ever do that, I'll, I'll be so, you know...
2: Oh, so through, you'll
1: ruin your life, yeah. then they're never going to come to you.
2: Yeah. I, when I, an issue has
1: arisen. Yeah,
2: I, I'm sure this is... It's just a variant on your school dress is too short. You're not going out in that. Surely yeah. you should be... You know, it's the same old thing because time moves on. It's just they're getting worse and worse. Well, listen, because I'm 50 and I'm 1,000, <laughs> right? Um, they're, they're seemingly worse. But but this is... Like, the sexting one is... That's, that's pretty brutal. That's potentially quite brutal in a school sense.
0: You know what worries me more than sexting I have to say is the stories that I read all the time Danielle and I'd I'd love you to shed a bit of light on this about teenagers mental health. So what really (laughs) worries me is we hear so much now staggering statistics about anxiety among teenagers and the pressure and teen suicide rates and those Mm -hmm. kind of things. I know so many parents of teenagers who are just Afraid, they're afraid all the time that I'm missing some sign. My why is my child feeling so stressed? Where's all this pressure coming from? I don't think we're putting it on them. Like I feel that a lot. Um, What are you? What are teenage girls saying to you about anxiety and mental health?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because it is a real issue and it is a real worry. Um, We know that eating disorders amongst teenage girls have sort of plateaued, thankfully, although eating That's disorders good. amongst teenage boys are on the increase. Mm. Um, we know that self-harm is on the increase yes. of young people, particularly amongst teenage girls, and is in fact, as many as one in seven teen girls say that they self-harm and anxiety and depression are definitely on the on the rise in fact Australia has the highest rate of use of antidepressants amongst teenagers of any country in the world isn't that staggering why why do we think that is oh gosh I think that that that's a a complex one I think it partly comes from the fact that we over prescribe antidepressant medication but um, the reality is that yes young people are definitely struggling in terms of their mental health Why? Well, it could be a combination of increased academic pressures at school, increased social media pressures, lack of perhaps sense of family and connection, families feeling more isolated and time poor. I mean, there's a whole mix of things that could be coming into play there, but the reality is as parents... We do have to be mindful and watchful. We do have to create opportunities for positive connection. We do have to get amongst their world a little bit and find out who their friends are and you know, provide opportunities for them to come over and hang out so you get to know their inner in a circle too. Um, and to really develop in your child as best you can, a sense of resilience, a sense that they can bounce back from these things because there will always be moments in their lives that feel catastrophic and as a teenager, the way that your brain's wired means that you do feel things very intensely. Yes. Um, and that's why those conversations and those skills are really important to foster and develop. But it's a, it's a real worry. It absolutely is. So if
0: you're not um, an expert in this field, but you have teenagers, it's it's something that just struck me that you just said about how teenagers' brains are wired, so they do feel everything very intensely. So I remember myself being a... 15 year old girl and i had my heart broken and i thought life was over and those kind yeah. of things now parental instinct is to say darl you'll get over it plenty more fish in the sea They're like buses you know like uh, don't worry about it it feels really bad right now is that um when we talk about teaching resilience and and that kids things will pass that's not really the right way to do it though is it
1: no, I can understand that though, and certainly I had my heart broken at sixteen too, Holly, so I feel for you. <laughs> it bad. And everyone did say to me, you know, it's just puppy love, you know, you you'll get over this. But Actually, that heartbreak was the most intense heartbreak I've ever felt in my Mm. life, not because he necessarily was the love of my life, but because it was my first experience of feeling that heartbreak. So rather than dismiss all of that as being somewhat trivial or insignificant, yeah, I think it's important to acknowledge that for them right now, it feels huge. It feels overwhelming. Um, And to give them some strategies to know how they can move on from that. Yeah. But
2: what if it's true and they will get over it? Well, they will. Yeah, of course, as you both have, right? So you will get over it and you will get through it and there will be other guys. So you asked... I know I know. it's... I don't mean it's stating it in a blunt fact and, and try and be more understanding, but it's actually... In, in their resilience game, it's actually, that's that's a fact.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, it's okay to say you will get over this, but I think it's how you say that, isn't it? You, someone mm. can say to you, look, you'll get over this, and they can say that in a way that's really encouraging, that implies that you've got the strength to get over this. Yeah, not not washing the dishes. And they'll be the there dishes. to hold your hand and support you. <laughs> or you can say get over this in a way that's really dismissive. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I think yeah. that's the that's difference. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. It's not that, oh, get over
0: it. You know, it's not that. Yeah. It's,
1: and I yeah, think I'm just su- giving them a little bit of TLC, you yeah, know, to but- understand, just to show them that you get that they're feeling hurt. Because the thing with kids, whether it's little kids or teenagers, is that what what they're experiencing to us might seem trivial and little, but to them it's huge, it's their world. And if we dismiss those things then, then they'll never come to us with the really big stuff later on because in their mind we're not someone that's willing to listen and to empathise and to encourage and support. This is
0: so interesting, Danielle. If there's one take-out, I mean, I know that's a very, uh, it's an easy question to say, one take-out from talking to 20,000 teenage girls. But if there's one thing that teenage girls tell you they want parents to do more of, what would you say that it was?
1: Oh, wow, you're going to love this answer. It's love them. And that might surprise people, but the reality is that we do often talk about teenage girls in a way that demonizes them or isolates them or shames them. Um, and although they look very big and very grown up, in many ways they still want that same level of affection and attention. Um, teen girls do say to me sometimes, "I'm not very lovable." I get that. And in fact, the thing that they say to me that they most regret is—and I'm quoting here—they'll say things like, "You know, look, I'm just such a bitch to my mum, and I don't even know why, but I can't <laughs> stop." So there is this sense of confusion about their emotions yeah. too. But. They still really yearn to feel loved, to feel connected, to feel understood and supported. Uh-huh. I mean, we've got the, the,
2: two beautiful teenage girls who are really fun and really funny, and loving and great to be around. So the whole teenage—you know—if you, know, you want to say, "Oh, I hate teenagers," what well, are you going to get? Crappy teenagers, yeah, absolutely. Guaranteed.
1: And and by being open to the joy that comes, in yes, that stage the of joy. I mean, I think it is so much easier, Holly, than having little kids. I adore it. Yes, I'm with you. (laughs) You can have interesting conversations. You can watch the same sort of shows with them, you know. They're so passionate about the world. Seeing the world through their eyes is just a wonderful way. You feel young again Mm -hmm. because you... Um. See everything with this freshness of perspective. It's it's brilliant stuff. And I just wish more parents would go into these years excited and gleeful. Yeah, absolutely. Skilled to know that there's going to be challenges they'll need to deal with, but excited about that possibility. Oh,
0: you know, you two have lifted my spirits today.
1: I'm glad. <laughs> I
0: think this is really, it's really important listening for everybody who's dreading those years. Yeah, it's not that bad. Exactly. And, you know, as you say, well, you don't... Yeah. I think it's it's moments. been really good. Thank yeah. you so good much. Danielle. Thank you, Danielle, my for pleasure. talking to us today. Um you are the CEO of Enlightened Education. Um you can look that up and learn more about what Danielle does. It's very encouraging. That makes me so happy. I'm so tired of people moaning about teenagers all the time. Yeah, it's I'm so tired of looking at my beautiful seven year old and going, Oh, oh you know. I mean I was an awful teenager, I have to
2: say. But you probably weren't an awful teenager. You probably weren't To be an-
0: honest, my parents have no idea. How awful a teenager I was.
2: <laughs> no, no, you were. Yeah, I mean, they're all cha- Of course, they're all challenging. It's like people going the terrible twos. Oh, the terrible twos. You're like, you, they're, they're just working out how to get by. Yeah. I know. They, that doesn't make them terrible.
0: I know. Makes me happy. This
2: glorious mess. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Fail or nail? Holy Wainwright.
0: Okay, I have a fail. It's a bit of a retrospective fail. Mother of fail. two
2: two angels?
0: Two angels, two adorable children. Uh, you know, last week I was very smug about the fact that I'd had two really good weekends away with the children. Yes. But one of the weekends away with the children had some unexpected repercussions, right? So you know when you go camping? One of the joys about camping... We, hang on,
2: other families or just...
0: All the families. We went with six families. Six families, 14 children, seven I'm, and under.
2: I'm writing a word down. Starts with N. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: for once, it's not that. So we had 40, we had 14 kids under seven on this campground, and it was great because we were like, the kids are going to go off and everybody's going to have a great time. And you know how when you're camping, one of the joys of it is just letting the kids get dirty and everyone gets dirty and you don't really have that many, you know, you're like, oh, have a shower after you have a swim in the Why sea. Why save it for camping? <laughs> <laughs> after they have a swim in the sea, they might run under the shower, they might not, whatever. Anyway, we got back from camping. A couple of days later, Billy's like, Mom, my finger really hurts. (laughs) (laughs) This is in the morning. So I turned the light, I looked at his finger, and his finger was a big pussy mess. He'd got like a septic infection from something camping, like something, who knows what. Some kind of muck, some kinds of dirt, some kinds of bite, I don't know. But he got this septic finger infection from camping. I've got a friend who's a nurse. She was camping with us. I sent her a photo of Billy's pussy finger. That poor woman. She gets all my gross pictures. She never knows what's going to happen when she opens her phone in the morning. I'm like, what's this? What do I do? She goes, go straight to the doctor. Oh my God, no. Straight. She said the doctor will clean it out for you, sort it out, whatever. Take Billy to the doctor. The doctor looks at it and goes, I'm not cleaning that out. <laughs>
2: No, doctor, are you?
0: Yeah, the doctor said she put. So Billy went on antibiotics, and it did clear up. We had to keep his finger bandaged for ages and wait for these all this pussy yuckiness to just go away. Well, she didn't know. She said that it it didn't look like a splinter because it was in lots of different places. It could have been a bite. It could have been that he grabbed a spiky plant, but it was probably because he wasn't keeping his hands clean.
2: Don't, don't, don't take so that basically, on. Basically,
0: I was camping and I was like, go get mucky kids, run around, get messy, and then, yes, but then my boy is really sick. Not anymore. He's better now.
2: Antibiotics. Uh, well, no. wow.
0: <laughs> wow. Fail.
2: Well, we never washed our hands. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and did you ever get septic fingers? No.
2: <laughs> no.
0: Billy's very Billy, Billy. is my child who's susceptible to getting sick. Oh, okay. There's always something wrong with Bill. Like he's the little one. He doesn't eat. We've just uh, discussed that many times. He's got long hair. He's got long hair. That's he's skinny. Yeah. If it's, something's going to happen, it's going to happen fish. to Billy. Yeah. Bless him. He,
2: he'll end up being in a band, and he'll be wearing a stripy t-shirt with a sort of a wide crew neck <laughs> thing, and he'll be that sort of singer going, "Yeah." He's that. He's that kid. He's gorgeous. Oh,
0: babe. Anyway, so yes. It's all fun and games at camping until you forget to wash your hands, people. Yes.
2: Uh, we, well, you know, Bibi, our um, older one, is on the road learning to drive. Oh, uh, yes. Right. Her- oh, exciting.
0: Second time round teaching the kid to drive.
2: Yeah. And, uh, and she is more of a lead foot than uh, Phil. She's more empowered. Ah.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Right. Likes so, a bit of speed. Yep. Yeah. And so you're going. I don't know if it's a nail. It's a it's a reality, right? I don't know if it's a nail or a fail. So there's times. I oh, know we're not never meant to yell at our children, right? Don't don't smack them. Where you have to yell at them, and I've gone, you know, stop, Jesus, stop. <laughs> and she's looked at me and gone, don't yell at me. I go, if I I can't I can't tell you, in a quiet voice, if you don't stop your forward progress, you're gonna smash into back, the back of that. Car, you, you can't, right? You're going to smash into a car. You have to yell. Stop, don't you?
1: Yeah,
2: the, yeah, you do. And so that's, I don't know if that that's. So you've the way been it is. screaming, screaming. At her. And right? how does she react? And so, no, just the once, just the one. And then today, uh, on the way here, driving to school, i yelled at someone else. And I, I often say to Bibbs, you've got to keep your language clean because you're a beautiful, rage. young lady. No, this is normal life. she'll be telling a story and she'll drop words, and I go potty mouth. Come on. And then there's this bloody Mercedes, right up our Kyber, really aggressive, really rude, and I've gone, I swear to God. I <laughs> like this and she's looked at me and goes, Dad, where do you reckon I learn it? <laughs> and I said, Yeah, but you got you gotta understand, baby <laughs> I mean you know.
0: Yep. If you're saying it, they're saying it.
2: Right. That's Fail. The truth. Fail.
0: Fail What's but anyway, the language in yeah, the car. But she's a good little girl I driver. bet you're not the only parent teaching kids to drive who's swearing left. If
2: everyone who goes, uh, just give the learner a little bit of space, right? Just give them a little bit of space. They've got the L thing. It's not for loser because they're (laughs) learning. You heard it here, people. And the parents are learning to teach them as well. Okay. Andrew's <laughs> upset. Let's let's back oh, just, it off. I just can't <laughs> believe. I, I said, let's let's pull. Let's get up to that Mercedes driver because I want to give him a godful. And
0: Bibi's <laughs> like, Dad, where do you think I learned it? She's
2: like, No way.
0: That's all for this glorious mess today. This podcast is brought to you by AHM Health Insurance's new black and white Boost Flexi and parentingworks.org.au. Parenting that works for you. You can buy any book mentioned in our podcast from iBooks at apple.co forward slash mamma mia, where you can also subscribe to all of our shows in one place. While you're there, subscribe to us and give us a five-star review. Tell everyone how awesome this show is. It really helps to push us up the chart.
2: Yeah, and if there's something you think we should be talking about or you want to tell us how much you love the show, then send us an email to tgm at mamamia.com.au. Call the pod phone on 899 9386 and that's the New South Wales number. So it's 2 899 9386
0: This show was produced by Rachel Wagner. The executive producer is Monique Bowley, and the head of entertainment is me, Holly Wainwright.
1: Bye. Bye. Hey, I'm Mia Friedman and I've written a book. It's called Work, Strife, Balance. And it's the book that I wish I could have read in my 20s and my 30s and my 40s. And if you want to buy it, it's in bookstores now and in variety stores or you can go to MiaFriedman.com and order it online. Work, Strife, Balance because we all know that balance is